Welcome to the new WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. Over the next half hour, WellMed Radio will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Joshua Beck and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. Here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Joshua Beck. Well, thank you very much and welcome to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron along with our co-host, Dr. Joshua Beck, a family doc, board certified in family practice, and you find him at the WellMed Clinic at Loop 410 in Centerview. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. So what's going on in your life? Oh, nothing. A little car trouble. Nothing big. it happens. Right? It happens. (laughs) Yeah. So as you think about uh, your patient population... Most are 65 and over, Medicare eligible. The majority, yes. The majority. Uh You do see other patients who are younger. We do. But for the older patients, Mm -hmm. uh, I went out and I I Googled a list Mm -hmm. of the 10 top things seniors worry about. And I know in your practice you have time as a well-made physician to spend with patients. You can do a little chit-chat in the exam room. You have time to see how they're doing. The more you get to know your patient, the better quality of care you can provide to your patient. So on that list, and I want to get your reaction as you think about patients you see, at the top of that list is loss of independence. Yeah, I was actually looking through the list here. You know, I didn't have a chance to read the article yet, but going through the, the list, loss of independence and declining health are probably two of the biggest things that we hear from the patients that we see on a daily basis when they come in for their routine follow-ups. And loss of independence can mean... Yeah, and so loss of independence would be loss of independence because maybe their memory is declining, and so maybe their kids, if they have kids or you know loved ones or pe- caregivers that are taking care of them are becoming more dependent on uh, you know making preparing their meals, you know making sure that they uh, you know uh, take care of the finances. Uh, it could be a loss of independence, uh, not only due to the memory aspect, but it may be due to just generalized, uh, you know, the second point, decline in health uh, related to, you know, trouble with arthritis or maybe some serious, compli- you know, uh, health problems like congestive heart failure or COPD. You know, maybe you have a patient that's on oxygen because of a bad heart or bad lungs. Maybe they, they've had diabetic complications and they've had an amputation and so their mobility is affected and so they have loss of independence due to that. And the, the, the uh, declining health, you know, portion of it, you know, well, everybody kind of declines, as, you know, as you get older. But those, yeah, what you said to me in the green yeah. room is we all age. We all age. You know, I tell my patients, you know, when I find the fountain of youth, I'll let you know so you can swim in it. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Um, unfortunately, we haven't found that yet, and so we have to deal, you know, with uh, the concerns that our patients bring to us, and you know, probably the biggest concern is, you know, their medical problems, and uh, you know, things that get worse over time. I, I want to talk about something that I know mm-hmm. you face from time to time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got patient X, and, and the spouse or mm-hmm. their kids come to you privately, mm-hmm. whisper in your ear, uh, you know, Dad should not be driving anymore. Mm-hmm. What do you do about that? Well, you know, I think that, you know, well, the patient would, I know what the patient would not like me to do is take away their ability to, to drive, but sometimes we have to have that hard, you know, heart to heart, you know, discussion with the patient and the family because not only are we talking about the patient's safety, but we're talking about everybody else's safety that's, you know, on the road, right? Everybody around the patient. 
Um, and so we have to have that discussion and we have to be honest. And, you know, sometimes patients are unwilling to accept, you know, that they, that they can't drive, but we try to make sense of it, you know, whether it's due to, uh, you know, maybe memory or dementia or maybe they're forgetting their way back home or, you know, maybe they can't travel that far or maybe they have arthritis and, and their mobility, their reaction time is, is less and maybe they can't hit the gas pedal. Uh, or the brake, you know, ad- fast enough or adequately enough. Or they hit the gas instead of the brake. Yeah, exactly. And and maybe they've had an accident, you know. So we have to have that discussion. And oftentimes, uh, you know, we I have patients that are willing to accept that, and then I have patients that don't. And so sometimes that's a discussion over several visits, uh, you know, and and we have to do what's what's best for the patient and their health, even if it is sometimes taking away that ability to drive. Now, what is your uh, responsibility and authority mm-hmm. as a PCP? Can you ultimately uh, let law enforcement know that so and so should not be driving? Yeah, well, uh, so that is a, you know an extreme thing that we can do. So usually, you know, the you know there is a good relationship between the kids or the caregiver and the patient, and then the patient, you know, even though they're kind of upset about it, they're willing to to say, okay, you know, so and so, you know, will be able to take me and and do my things. So you need a backup plan. Yeah, or maybe they're able to do like a small, you know, maybe they can still go to the supermarket, which is you know a couple blocks down the street, but now they rely on other people to go further distance. But yeah, for the, for the patient that, you know, maybe they've got dementia and they, you know, they can't, you know, adequately, you know, make decisions for themselves and they're unwilling to make the decision and they keep finding the car keys that maybe their son or daughter hides. Uh, well, you know, then sometimes we have to let the DPS know that, you know, this patient is unfit to drive. Because, of course, they'll drive without a license anyhow. Well, well, they can, you know, but then you have to, you know, rely on their kids or their caregiver to really make sure that those keys are taken away or maybe the car needs to be sold, you know. Um, and, and, and so it's not something that I like to do, but, you know, I need to look out for my patients, their health, and everybody else's well-being. So. I was going to ask, and you've, you've mm-hmm. just joined us. You're listening to WellMed Radio on 930 AM. The Answer, I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Joshua Beck, and we're talking about the top 10 fears of aging, and we've covered the top two, loss of independence, declining health. Uh, number three on this list, and, of course, these are all interchangeable, uh, is running out of money. And in your patient population, you see people who are outliving their finances. Exactly. Yeah. So we have, you know, I have patients that, you know, have, uh, that do well in that department, and, or maybe they have their kids that will do everything for them and they're going to go live with their kids, or maybe they already live with their kids uh, and, you know, they don't have that problem. But then we have those patients that don't have family. You know, maybe they don't have any living kids that are close to them, or maybe they live too far away and they don't want to go live with their kids, and they're running out of money. They can't afford rent. Maybe they can't afford medication, and so sometimes we have to step in and, and help in, 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 in you know in ways we can. You know, I'd love to to have a little tree that grows money on it in each of of their backyards, but unfortunately, that hasn't been invented yet. <laughs> You're trying in your own yard first. Yeah, I'm trying first. You know, if I become successful, I'll let you know. For you, when you face that issue with a patient, it has to really tear at you as well. Yeah, it's it's difficult, you know, because you're trying to do, you know, especially when, you know, they have medical problems like diabetes and such, uh, you know, and the insulins can be expensive if they're on insulin. And so we try to do what we can to manage their health, but maybe their health is declining because they can't afford their medication. So maybe they're 
not taking their medication daily like they should to make it last longer, or maybe they're just, you know, not picking up the medication. Um, and, and also because, you know, we have to make sure that they're able to get adequate nutrition, stay hydrated, you know, have clean clothes, get the help that they need at home. So it's, now, there are a lot of factors. Now, mm-hmm. you work with WellMed mm-hmm. as a WellMed physician. Mm-hmm. Are there programs that WellMed offers that will help mm-hmm. patients in that situation? Yeah. So, so when it comes down to that, you know, it depends on what we can help with, you know. So sometimes, you know, if it's a medication issue, we have something called the medication assistance program for those uh, Medicare WellMed patients. Uh, you know, who meets certain, certain, certain criteria, you know, certain income threshold has to be below that threshold. And they have, you know, they're obviously, you know, a, uh, a Medicare Advantage patient. And so we, you know, we have that, you know, and that will not cover all of their meds, but it'll cover certain meds. So sometimes we'll change medications to include some that are on that medication assistance program so that they could get it. Uh, when they're in the donut hole, which is basically when 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 they're in uh, insurance plan, when they've exhausted the resources or the the money that they have to pay to cover certain medications, now they have to pay at cost, and so th- this program will help cover that. Uh, all you know, it doesn't deal with medication. If it deals with with home issues like food, you know, we can try to get the meals on wheels. Um, sometimes we'll have to get a social worker involved. And you have access to social workers? We have access to social workers to get them, you know, maybe where they live is now too expensive. They need to find something a little bit less expensive. Or maybe they, you know, they've lost the ability to, you know, care for themselves at home. They can no, cannot uh, afford a caregiver. And so sometimes we need to refer them to maybe the Bridges program. Now, what is Bridges? So the Bridges program is for those well-med patients who are maybe... Uh, a little sicker, they have more medical problems, they're having a harder time leaving home and taking care of themselves. Maybe they've been in the hospital a number of times due to failing health. And so this is where I, as a PCP, not me in particular, but another well-med provider, physician, or mid-level provider, will go see the patient at their home instead of the patient coming to our clinic to see us. So you all will make house calls. So it's like a house call service, correct. Um, and so sometimes we'll do that, or as I had previously mentioned with a social worker, sometimes we'll need to find placement. You know, maybe the patient can't live independently uh, uh, at home any longer, and so maybe they need a uh, assisted living facility where they get some assistance, but they still retain some independence. Now, what most people don't understand, mm-hmm. Medicare will not pay for that. Yeah, so Medicare doesn't pay for that, and so that's where the social worker uh, will help. Uh, maybe they have Medicaid, and you know, or qualify for Medicaid. or qualify for Medicaid, and maybe they can get assistance that way, or find some other creative way. You know, as far as how exactly they go about doing that, that's kind of beyond me. But I set it in motion by getting the social social worker involved. Now, talk to me a little bit about uh, ADLs, activities of daily living, uh, which are very important in taking mm-hmm. care of yourself. What, what does that refer to? Yeah, so the activities of daily living would be being able to prepare your own meals, to feed yourself, being able to do your own uh, toileting duties, you know, uh, go to the bathroom by yourself, and and uh, and everything entailed there. Shower, there hygiene. Shower, hygiene, brush your teeth, you know, shave, uh, you know, wipe your bottom when you go to the bathroom. Uh, and then uh, being able to dress yourself uh, and being able to, you know, go out and, you know, buy groceries, 
by food, um, and then uh, to some extent maybe finances, might manage your finances. So inability to do some of those activities <clears throat> mm-hmm. is certainly a warning sign. Yes, and we usually hear it first from, from my patients, uh, their kids, you know, from their kids or their caregiver. We'll hear, you know, uh, oh, such and such patient, you know, Mr. Smith, you know, he's, you know, he's finding it harder to take care of himself. We have to help him get dressed and we have to help with meals. And so we're needing more help and I work and so I need to find a caregiver to assist. And we're so, going to so, pick up more on that in just a minute, yeah. including once mm-hmm. you lose the ability to live at home, you had mentioned that. Mm-hmm. And we'll continue with this list of the 10 top fears mm-hmm. of aging. I'm Ron Aaron. Dr. Joshua Beck is our co-host. You're listening to WellMed Radio on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. At WellMed, we care about you. It shows in the way we take the time to get to know you, your history, your health goals, and everything that makes you, you. We'll help you feel your best through proven industry-leading care and advanced technology. We always strive to give you our full attention and deepest respect. Medicare annual enrollment period is October 15th through December 7th. Pick a plan that gives you access to WellMed doctors. Visit WellMedFindADoctor.com or call 844-439-7517. We're going through an important list of the 10 top fears of aging. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Joshua Beck. He is a uh, family practitioner, a PCP. You find him at the Wellman Clinic at Loop 410 in Centerview. And we had just covered the issue of running out of money, not being able to live at home. We've talked about that in a a number of ways. Uh, And at some point, uh, you really reach that point, Dr. Beck. And I remember with my mother, uh, she wouldn't remember to turn the stove off. She wouldn't remember to lock the doors. Uh, and she really couldn't take care of herself alone at home. And that's where you look for a placement elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, w- I, I would agree. You know, that and, uh, you know, your previous question about, uh, about uh, driving and, you know, the health of the patient, you know, whether they're fit to drive. Um, you know, and I've had those patients where, you know, law enforcement will find them and they were driving in the opposite direction. They were on the highway and they found right. them in some other neighboring city. And, you know, those are the real eye openers where you really have to decide, you know, whether the patient is able to drive uh, or, or not, you know. So all of these topics are very, very important and they're all ones uh, which are good to talk about and, you know, which, you know, I share with my patients every time I see them. I know when I see Silver Alert on the big reader boards on yes. 410 and elsewhere, yeah. I always check the make and model of my car to be sure it's not me. Oh, really? Yeah. If it isn't, maybe we'll, ha- we'll have to have that conversation here, right? Exactly. You know? <laughs> One of the other issues yeah. that comes up in this top 10 list uh, is the question of isolation and loneliness. And you've talked about this before. Not long ago in the uh, New York Times, uh, writer Nicholas Kristof wrote about how isolation is now considered a killer of 600,000 people a year. Wow. Yeah. Well, and I would say that, you know, that could be from, from many regards, you know, this could be, uh, you know, isolation or loneliness because maybe the patient's spouse has passed away due to their own ailments. And uh, so maybe their family lives in another state or another city, and so they live alone, and they're, they're lonely f- from that regard. Or maybe they do have family locally, but, you know, maybe this patient is very debilitated, and, 
you know, has arthritis and doesn't get out that much. Or, or they're cranky. Or, yeah, it could be that. Or maybe they've got memory problems. And so the family, you know, really maybe to some extent, maybe it's difficult for them, for the family to take care of this patient all the time. They write them off. And so, yeah. And so the patient might think that it's burdensome to call their family to hang out with them. And so they're lonely, lonely in that regard. Uh, and so, yeah, I could see how that would affect health. Uh, and, you know, maybe you get depressed and you don't want to take your medication, you don't want to eat, you start having thoughts of, you know, you know, maybe you're better off, you know, passing and maybe that would be best for everybody when, you know, that's obviously... Suicidal thoughts. Yeah, suicidal thoughts, you know, not necessarily an intent to do something, but maybe just the thought that you're better off dead because, you know, you're, you know... That's for, not a healthy lack thought. of a better way to say, it, you know, you're... You know, you consider yourself old and worthless, maybe, you know, to your family. Now, do you in your practice Mm -hmm. uh, recommend to some of your patients uh, that they uh, participate in the WellMed senior centers, which are at no cost and Mm -hmm. adds back to their lives socialization? Yeah, so I think that that's, you know, one, one, one thing that's offered. Another thing that's offered is caregiver support, you know, especially let's just say you have a patient that has Alzheimer's, dementia, you know, sometimes caregivers getting educated on what to expect, what to look out, or just elderly care. You know, there are care groups, you know, uh, you know where uh, patients who have elderly uh, mother, mothers or fathers, uh, and, you know, there are support groups where they talk about, you know, their experiences and, um, you know, what they can do to provide for their, uh, you know, a, a, you know uh, mother or father who are getting older. Uh, and whose health is declining so that they can better cope and, 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 and try to not isolate them. So, Dr. Beck, one question that keeps mm-hmm. scratching the back of my mind, listening to you talk, mm-hmm. a lot of this is very depressing. Why did you choose a practice where you're focused primarily on seniors? Uh, well, you know, this uh, for me came uh, as a, a good opportunity when I went to med school uh, in uh, Guadalajara. Um, I lived with my grandparents. Uh, and they were in their 90s, uh, even when I was in med school, um, uh, or maybe upper upper 80s, upper 80s, 90s. Because your mom was born in Mexico. My mom was born. My mom is from Mexico, and um, and so you know, for me, you know, living with them and and helping to take care of them, while at the same time, same time going to med school in Mexico, uh, was really an eye opener for, you know, uh, patients and, you know, what to expect when you get older. And so I just thought it was nice, you know, to take care of them. And so, you know, to continue that as a well-med doctor, seeing elderly patients is, is nice. Because most, not all, mm-hmm. but most medical students don't choose geriatrics. Uh, no, no, most uh, medical students probably don't, you know. And, you know, we see some younger patients too, and so that's nice. We have a mix of older patients and younger patients. But, yeah, the majority of the patients that we see are older patients. What's the psychic income for you? What's the... Psychic income. What's the intrinsic value you get out of that? Uh, well, you know, I just I try to maintain their independence as long as they can and try to do my part to keep them healthy so that they can be as healthy as they can as they age, you know. And for some, for some I can and for some I can't. It depends on how advanced their, you know, medical problems are, their medical problems are when I start seeing them as patients. Uh, but I tried to do my best, and, you know, Medicare starts at, you know, 65, uh, unless you have some disability. Right. 
uh, you know, it'll start before that. But so at 65, you know, most people are still active and healthy and, and able to function normally. And so we, you know, you try to take care of them so that, you know, they can live a long, healthy life. Another fear that seniors have, mm-hmm. and I know it's something you see all too often, mm-hmm. is fear of falling and getting hurt. And, mm-hmm. and someone said to me once in the hundreds of shows we've done mm-hmm. that if you think you're going to fall, you're going to fall. Yeah, I would say so, especially if you have that thought as you're falling, <laughs> you know, or you can't, you're, you know, your reaction time, obviously, as you get older is a little slower. And so maybe you're not as nimble as you used to be. And so sometimes you can't help it. And so that's another topic, you know, for us and for the patients that we see is, you know, the get up and go test or, you know, do they have the strength in their lower extremities? Uh, to be able to propel them up from a seated position? Are they able to have adequate balance because of, you know, uh, good lower extremity and upper extremity strength, uh, you know, or do they lack that? Uh, do they need any an assistive device, you know, some kind of a walking device, you know, whether it's a cane or a walker or a rollator? Uh, What's to, a rollator? Uh, to get around. So it's a walker, except it rolls oh. instead of walks. So the walker walks. When you walk, you pick it up and you put it down right. and pick it up. Whereas the rollator has wheels, and so it's the next innovation. So it's uh, a step up from just a walker. So it's a step up from just a walker, huh. yeah. Are so they coming now with air conditioning and uh, radios built in? No, but I've uh, put in the ticket for that, maybe on the next model. Because yeah. I've seen after my <laughs> yeah. knee replacement surgery, I had yeah. a walker yeah. uh, for a couple of weeks, and I uh-huh. remember going into a local uh, store yeah. that sells those supplies, <clears throat> and the number of different styles of walkers, if you sure. don't know better, sure. will just knock you out. Yeah, I bet. You know, and they're probably all pretty similar. You know, it's just different manufacturers. Right. You know, have found out that well, this is a good market to be in. You know, the population's getting older. Somebody's going to need a walker at some point. <laughs> now, there's an ego yeah. challenge when you yeah. when you say to your patient, you know, it's really time for a cane or for a walker. Sure. Uh, they don't want to do that. Well, you know, I have some that will ask for it, you know, and some will say, you know, I need one. You know, I've taken a couple falls, and so now I think that I would benefit from one, uh, whereas others don't. Uh, as an example, in the, um, you know, Hispanic community, which tends to be a bit a bit more prideful and a little bit more headstrong, you know, men, for example, will will try to do without because, you know, they're, you know, they're tough. And, you know, even though they're elderly, they try to, you know, feign, you know, that they don't uh, need, you know, some kind of assistive device. Now, does headstrong equal stubborn? Yes, it would be the same thing. That's what all, I wonder. All inclusive. So anyway, so it's just education, you know, telling them, you know, and then sometimes if they hear it from their PCP, then they'll be more understanding and more willing to use. Uh, and then the other challenge, yeah. uh, of course, and the other thing that I've often heard is mm-hmm. if you've fallen once, mm-hmm. you'll fall again. That tends to be a trend with the patients that I see that have fallen. Why? Uh, well, you know, you, you know, the patients that I see who fall, you know, you, you either have dizziness problems and so they get dizzy and then they fall and maybe they have a chronic dizziness problem and that causes them to fall or maybe their eyesight's bad or maybe it's a mechanical fall. They don't have, they're wobbly, you know, they have a little gait instability when they walk. Uh, they don't have that good, nice, strong, you know, walk, straight walk, you know, maybe they wobble from side to side. <clears throat> and so those are the patients that usually we hear that, you know, repeatedly fall or they, or they get up to go to the bathroom multiple times at night 
<clears throat> and they don't have a way to turn on the lights, and so they fall because it's in the dark and they run into things. So, uh, you know, we do what we can, whether it's providing an assistive device or educating them on maybe they need a bedside commode or maybe they need to find some kind of light apparatus that, you know, that they can use so that they can have a lighted, you know, pathway to go to the bathroom or maybe they need physical therapy, you know, to strengthen those legs, strengthen their arms and work on their balance. Oftentimes I'll refer patients uh, to physical therapy. And, and the reason is gait instability. And so they do a generalized uh, assessment and uh, training, uh, you know, just generalized upper and lower extremity strength. Now, is there a correlation between gait instability, wobbling, uh, and onset of dementia? Um, not necessarily. You know, I have patients that have dementia. Um, I will say if you have dementia, uh, and as the dementia progresses, and sometimes you develop a, uh, you know, through, because of what we just discussed um, a little while ago, the uh, ADLs or the activities of daily living. And so those start declining because your memory starts declining. So, yes, sometimes that can translate into uh, gait trouble. Uh, but for those, you know, I have patients that are frail and debilitated and have great memories, but, you know, their body is is old and, you know, they're, they're arthritic and, and so they have wow. gait, gait instability due to that. Bottom line, mm-hmm. we're out of time. Mm-hmm. Talk to your PCP about any of these concerns. Yeah, this is a topic that can, you know, go on for another half an hour, an hour, but, you know, this is good insight. Uh, into, you know, what to bring up with your PCP, especially if you're feeling depressed or lonely uh, or you're having trouble getting cool. around. So, Dr. Beck, thank you. Well, thank you. You've been listening yeah. to WellMed Radio on 930 AM, The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron. For Dr. Joshua Beck, we will talk with you soon right here on 930 AM, The Answer. Thank you for listening to WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of WellMed Radio.